Hey, I'm Nate Flax. I'm Noah Longworth-McGuire. And this is Talking Lion. Talking Lion is a podcast focused on artist-to-artist conversation. We're primarily artists, a duo called Sleeping Lion, but we've been lucky enough to write, produce, and hang out with so many incredible rising artists since we started our project. Whether it's at sessions or parties or over cups of coffee, we've talked with our creative friends about everything. Music, life, love, and all the subtle complexities that come with being in the middle of a journey. Talking Lion is about hitting record in these conversations and sharing them with you. There's no real structure, nothing really prepared, just friends talking about life and what it's been like and where it's going. We recorded this episode with our good friend Evangelia. I first met Evangelia in New York around Thanksgiving a few years ago. We immediately hit it off and collaborated on our single window seat in my mother's apartment. Some context for this interview. We recorded this episode a few months ago while Evangelia was visiting Los Angeles to write new music influenced by her Greek roots. Since then, she's traveled to Greece to continue to work on her upcoming songs. Immensely talented and fiercely driven, Evangelia is crafting a unique sound true to her roots, and she's one of our favorite collaborators. So, without further ado, I'm Evangelia, and this is Talking Lion. All right, so we got uh, Evangelia here. How are you? I'm well. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. We just saw Noah go to town on an apple. Yep. Just devour an apple. Was was it good? It was great. It was yeah. I'm, I'm it ready to go. Sounded crispy. It was pretty crispy, not too crispy. <laughs> you're well, you're, you're you're visiting. You're visiting LA. I am from from the great land of uh, New York slash slash New Jersey. Less great New I, Jersey. But... Listen, I'm proud. Hey, you okay. can be proud from New Jersey. You can still be wrong about it. You know? Oh shit. <laughs> Uh, for all you New Jersey fans out there, I'm sorry, but listen, we've... we gave you Bruce, we gave you Frank Sinatra, yeah, we New gave, York, you New York gave you John Bon Jovi, else. Queen Latifah. Queen Latifah's from Jersey. Yeah. All right, that's fair. I all think. right, New Jersey, you win this one. <laughs> you win this one. Pretty sure. <laughs> Discount New York. I don't know. That's mean. No, to listen, say. I'm yeah. for New York. I live in Jersey City now, which is basically another borough of New York, and I just I love the East Coast, but I also am. Loving LA too. I've been coming here a lot. I feel like anybody recently. who makes music like has to have like a love for LA because yeah. there's so much happening here. There's no denying it. There's no denying it. So did you grow up in New Jersey? I did. I was born and raised in central Jersey in a town called Bridgewater. What did that look like? Like what was... Because New Jersey looks suburban. different depending on how... It was suburban. Um, we, I had a big backyard, which was really nice. I grew up playing soccer in my backyard a lot. And yeah, not busy streets. Like I was really, really fortunate to grow up with a yard because I was out there all the time. Like quintessential suburban And you were there pretty much like throughout your whole... Yeah, childhood I was, and- yeah, born and raised there, but I did grow up um, going back and forth to Greece because um, oh, yeah. my father's a Greek immigrant. So um, from from Crete, from Crete, yeah, yeah, from the island of Crete, and so I grew up actually going there a lot and spending um, like the full summer. Like often, I would leave before the last day of school and come back after the first day of school, <laughs> <laughs> like just do school. Do you, like do you remember that. the first time you went to Greece? Like what that experience was like for you? Well, I was a month old. Um, and so not then, quite. No, I don't really remember. <laughs> and I did get baptized in a monastery Whoa. on a very high mountain nice. of Crete. And I was pissed off about it because um, <laughs> I've seen the videos. I was like screaming and, you know, I don't know if you've seen like Greek Orthodox baptisms, but they like <laughs> dunk the babies into these like um I've never Google like, searched tubs. Greek Orthodox, Greek Orthodox <laughs> baptisms. <laughs> I'm going to have to show you guys after this. But like. You, you go into this tub and then I just like stuck my legs out like so stiff so that they couldn't put me in like the tub because I was really upset about what was happening to me. I mean, justifiably I so. I think it's justifiable. Um, I feel like, wait, so baptism is, but, I, in my token Jew of the podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah. Baptizing is you like dunk a baby? Yeah, you dunk, you dunk a baby. <laughs> you dunk a baby in some holy water. Yeah. And then they are part of the church. No, it's great. You're, you're yeah. free of sin or something. Yeah. Are you free of sin? Something like that. Um, I'm not foot. very religious. Do you have like the Achilles, like, like all your sin is in your yeah, ankle? Yeah, everything's in my ankle, yeah. my Achilles. But yeah, so I was baptized in a monastery. So that's kind of like being born in Greece, but not yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> in, the eyes, in the eyes of the church, right? In no. the eyes of the church, I'm yeah. Greek. Do you, do you remember when you first went? Like, I, I guess yeah, by the time. when like, I was actually like able yeah. to. Yeah, no, I have such fond memories of going to Greece and basically my parents would um, leave me with my dad's sister and, and my grandma and I would just 
I like lived on a farm. I made friends in Greece. I spent time with my family. And I'm really grateful to both my parents because I was really important to them. Also, it's like the best kind of camp and daycare. Like if you're going to spend, you know, camp is <laughs> yeah. so expensive, right? Or like, you know, they both my parents worked. So what better than to give us like pay our, for our plane tickets and we live with family in this so other you're, country. You're, you're like uh, grandmother lived yeah. there and every... Yeah, my entire dad's side of the family oh, wow. is there. So I literally grew up on a farm. Like my grandma hmm. had sheep, goats, chickens we had all we have we still have um the farm my grandmother's no longer with us but we had olive groves vineyards so we um cultivate our own olive oil our own wine so i really grew up around that like the simple life and learning to entertain myself on a farm like you know what i mean like (laughs) i literally grew up playing with goats well that's (laughs) a contrast from like new york i mean new york is like you know it's not like there's a lot of farms in the city you know yeah no totally it's like other than like the subway i literally grew up living on yeah it's true. I grew up living a, like a double life and I feel so blessed and fortunate for that. My mom's not Greek, um, but she married into the culture. She's an Italian, How did American, they meet? Jersey girl. Um, they met um, They met at Rutgers and then my dad went back to Greece to fulfill his army duties. It's um, oh. a requirement for um, males to be in the hmm. army. And then when he came back to the States, my mom was living in Astoria, Queens, which is like Greek town. Like if you want good <laughs> Greek food in New York City, go to Astoria. All the Greek people are there. And so my dad hit her up and they hung out and then had two weddings. They had one in the States and one on the farm in oh, Greece. That's awesome. nice. Yeah. So that was really cool. But my mom learned Greek too. She learned the dances. So it was it was nice. Like it was a joint effort for both my parents to be connected to Greece. Um and like Greek was my first language. I didn't really speak English until wow. like preschool do you think in greek not anymore i definitely did as a baby because i literally didn't speak english for like (laughs) the first three years of my life but now because i spend most of my time here um i think in english but i can switch to greek really easily which you see and it's crazy it's like you don't you don't expect it and then all of a sudden but no you're saying like occasionally you dream in like italian yeah i i have definitely dreamt in italian i feel like that's like one of those milestones in learning a language like when you're able to like dream in a language yeah i've definitely reverted to speaking greek when being severely intoxicated that's also <laughs> a thing that i Once know or twice in college that's a, that happened well yeah <laughs> again like I, I'm, I, I'm i'm just speaking greek and they're like what and I'm like, why don't you, you understand? Think, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, this is so fascinating. I don't speak any other language, so it's so, so fascinating that you guys have that other side and the other like cultural place too. Yeah. But and, and it's also just so beautiful that you would go to Greece so so regularly. Um, it's become so much a part of what you've been doing recently. Yeah. Bringing in Greek instruments. Uh, what clicked there? Like, where? When did you decide that? All right, this is what's gonna. Yeah, so I'd been, it'd been in my mind for all thinking like, you know, these Greek instruments could sound really cool and unique, like in some beat somehow. And then, you know, it would just be really cool to incorporate it. So it was just kind of started at this idea. Um, And then I was performing with you guys and my first trip to LA, I think it was like my first day in LA. I'm pretty sure I flew in like that day, the bootleg show. Oh yeah. And um, in walks this man playing a buzuki from <laughs> 1965 or something like that um, in the green room. And he was the bass player for one of the other bands um, that was performing that night. And I was like, who are you? And why do you have this beautiful, like vintage buzuki instrument from Greece? And I don't think you're Greek. Like he did not look Mediterranean. So turns out- He's very tall. I remember him being very tall. He's very yeah. tall, like awesome guy. But he walks in, he's playing bouzouki really well. And I was like, what the heck? And so then I started talking to him. Turns out he studied Greek instruments in Crete, but not just in Crete, like in my town. I wow. grew up in, like I spent every year, like a good por- portion of my life there. Um, so he studied in Arjanes in Crete. So then I invited him. I was like, we, I, this is a sign. I need to try this finally. <laughs> and then I invited him to the, a session with you guys that I had coming up. And he brought the Cretan Lira. And we did the song Moments. Moments. Yeah, yeah, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And since then, I kind of had this epiphany moment, which also once I had it, I like hit my head. I was like, duh. Like, <laughs> why didn't I think of this before? This is so important to me and such a deep part of who I am. And so now I've been really diving in for this new project of mine, 
um, to incorporate these Mediterranean sounds that I grew up in and that are so close to home for me. I didn't realize that the the bootleg show, like, and, and, and Miles and all of that, like, I, I knew that, like, you were really excited about the fact that he was playing. I didn't realize that was the moment when yeah. things, like, I, I thought you had been thinking about it for a while and had just found you know, a player I defini- in him. Yeah, I definitely was thinking about to try it, right? Like, mm-hmm. it was like, I want to try that. Then actually trying it and feeling, like, how good and exciting that felt and showing people um, and then being like, wait a second why don't I like do this as my thing, like as a project and really, you know, create something that's very true, true to me and is also something unique. Well, I think so many artists have a hard time, you know, trying to figure out like what's their unique sound, what is their unique like songs from like a writing perspective. And even just like, you know, what we've been writing lately, like you have a song about about Crete. Mm -hmm. Like I think the answer is always that your, your own personal life will always be be the unique thing that that can inform it. The fact that you bring that in as your unique sound is so interesting. I think also inspiring to people potentially listening because that's how you do it. That's how you find the unique thing. Just find the thing that makes you different, you know? Thank you. Um, Did did your parents also play? Um, No, so my, well, my mom sang, she sings still. Um, she Do you have similar it? voices? No, she's mm-hmm. more like show tunesy. Mine too. Jazzy. Mine too, yeah. She can sing though. She definitely has a great voice. She sings in a choir now called the Notables. Ooh, nice. I like the pun. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, my dad, uh, he is not a musician, but he is really involved in cultural events, um, particularly from my island. And he was the cultural chairperson for the Pan-Cretan Association of America. And he was the president at one point. But his main thing was bringing cultural experiences from Crete to the United States and having them tour to like keep the culture alive. So I grew up listening to these incredible musicians playing these amazing, beautiful instruments. Um, and a lot of them stayed at my house and would jam at my house. So like I grew up around these instruments and, um, would you sing with them? Was that like, yeah, yeah, we would sing and I would also dance a lot. So I grew up Greek folk dancing. It was like super, (laughs) which you showed us videos. I did show you guys. It's pretty intense. And, uh, you know, they did call me crazy legs at one point. No, but like, it's really, uh. I don't know, almost like the way you see people from Latin America salsa dancing or, mm. you know, doing those cultural dances that are like deep in their blood almost. Yeah. It feels like like that's what it feels like to me to be Greek dancing. And I absolutely love it. So, again, like circling back to being able to bring these influences into the music that I'm making and bl- like truly blending it with, I think, the American life that I've been so blessed to live in like New York City and I've been able to travel the world mm-hmm. and really just taking that and creating my own thing has been really exciting. And a community around that. I mean, yeah. and I think you've done a really amazing job of bringing in, you know, pop, people on the pop side um, yes. as well as musicians that oftentimes specifically and exclusively deal with Greek music. You yeah. know, I think having, you know, having a lyra on a, on a pop song or having a, you know, a bazooki? Yeah, good yeah. job. <laughs> on a on a pop song. That was a very genuine and sincere. You could hear that. That was really just, good. Oh, I did it. I did it. I got, I got very excited. Very proud. Um, yeah, I mean, having that, I mean, it's really, it's not just like your music embodying it, but also the community that's forming around it, which I think is is really, really cool and interesting. Did, did you play any instruments as a kid as well, or were you more specific to singing i was more specific to singing but i did take a couple piano lessons and guitar lessons in like elementary school oh nice and sadly i gave that up um but then in high school i was like why did i give that up (laughs) parents why did you let me do that like ah so i started self teaching myself again um so i play both um guitar and piano well enough to write and accompany myself the song is simple enough but typically when performing, I'll just leave it to somebody else. Did to you do the complicated stuff. release any music when you were in like high school or there? So I didn't I was like a closet singer. People didn't really know that I sang <laughs> a lot until the very, very end of high school. Um, when I met my friend Emma Carroll, I call her my musical mom. I sang <laughs> at a um, we were at a bonfire and she pulled out a guitar. She started playing guitar and I sang along and she was like, girl, you can sing. I was like. <laughs> 
Yeah, thanks. And because I, I always dreamt of it. Like I, it was always deep down. I found something that I wrote in third grade. It was like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I wrote a famous singer. And I don't remember <laughs> that. I don't remember. Like, you know what I mean? But I was like, wow, this has it's been deep a, in there. This though. is deep. Like this has been a thing. And basically we did. We started this girl band and we called it Jared's Coastline. And a, Jared's was, Coastline. Jared's Coastline. And it was after our friend Jared. And then we liked the word coastline. So that's cool. <laughs> Jared's that sounds coastline. like a punk band or like um, yeah, like an indie band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we were super indie. And Jared's also coastline. Yellow Card, like yeah. pretty badass. We wrote our own songs. What and was then the first song you wrote called? It was called Untitled <laughs> because Ooh, we couldn't think of a title. Edgy. <laughs> yeah, so edgy. But we um, we auditioned for Battle of the Bands and we didn't get in because it was my first time performing. They all sounded great, but I sang so out of key. Like I just, I don't know, it just, I got nervous and I just didn't sing sing it right. And mm. I was so upset. I remember I like cried in the hallway. So I was like, it's just because of me now that we're not getting in. And we didn't <laughs> get in the show, but we like, they were so awesome. And um, what we basically decided was like, we have not been working this hard for nothing. We didn't write these songs for nobody <laughs> to hear them. We're gonna have our own show the next day and invite our friends. So what we did was we had our own show in my friend Emma's living room. We had a PA and everything and we invited all our friends and I got to perform. That's awesome. That's great. <laughs> you know, that could happen. Yeah. I think Battle of the Bands is so interesting. In, in high school, I've never met anybody uh, who's won Battle of the Bands no. and still is doing music. That's like, true. It's, all, yeah. it's all the losers who had like a chip on their shoulder and needed to like prove a point. Exactly. Like everybody who won Battle of the Bands in my like county yeah. is now in like software. I definitely did not you win know? Battle of the like, Bands. We d- I don't think I've met anybody who's doing music now. So I was we so all wanted to so guys, badly. Guys, it was devastating. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, we all, if you have a chip on your shoulder, that's the thing. Like if you lose Battle of the Bands, you spend the next 10 years of your life trying to win something. Yeah. I'll just think about it as like American Idol. Most people that don't win do better. Right, right, right. <laughs> but um, another thing, so I was so like devastated about it. But then it was a couple weeks later and I was like, man, people are going to think I suck at singing, blah, blah, blah. And I don't. <laughs> what am I going to do? Well, I saw this flyer around my high school saying like cultural diversity show. Can you sing in another language? And at that point in time, I was learning guitar and I learned the song in Greek. And I was like, well. They might as well have written your name on the literally, poster. Like, Evangelia, like, do you speak yeah, in another language? Yeah, I was language? Like, like, actually, I do something in another language <laughs> that can be cultural. And so I went and I auditioned and the cultural diversity show was in front of, it was actually an assembly, so not after school. So it was in front of all my peers, like <laughs> around like 600 or so people um, at a time. And it was just me, my guitar, and this song in Greek. And I sat, I remember I sat on the stage and the microphone was on like the ground in front of it. And I sang and it was, I wasn't nervous. And it was like perfectly silent. And it almost felt like that was a, that was a huge moment for me because then after it, it felt like I well, proved, I knew. proved myself. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, and like people then knew me as like, oh, Evangelia sings. You know, like where people didn't know that before. It was kind of a big surprise too. So after after high school, you went to Rutgers as well, mm-hmm. which your father and mother both went to. Yeah, my dad really, my dad went to NJIT, but he did take English classes at Rutgers. But my mom went to Rutgers. My grandfather went to Rutgers. What did you study while you were there? I studied history and political science. Whoa. And I also got my master's in special education from did, Rutgers. Did you do any like acapella groups? Did you do? I didn't do acapella groups, but I was very, very involved in the music community. I started performing in open mic nights um, at Rutgers, and that was even more of an introduction to me, like performing. And then I started hosting my own open mic night, oh, wow. and it grew from like 15 people the first one to by the time I was leaving uh, college, it was like over 200 people would come through by the like throughout wow. the evening. It was like a three That's hour awesome. event and it was cool. It wasn't just singing. It was comedy. It was everything, anything artistic. And we also had a gallery around. So it was like a different gallery theme each month. So it was just featuring all types of art <laughs> and appreciating it. And that made me so happy. And I loved creating this community. I like made sure I got money from the school to give my friend who was in a master baker to like bake cookies so that we could provide free cookies and like make a vibe, you know? That's awesome. It was really awesome. And it was my favorite thing to connect people and also see people perform for the first time that were originally nervous. Cause I'd go around and ask, do you want to perform? Do you want to perform? And they'll be like, no, no, no. But I like knew. But but you, you know how to like, I, yeah. And I could tell when it was like a person that like actually really wanted to and a person that was like, no, 
mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like I knew when it was the time to push and it was really satisfying to get people up there and perform for the first time and feel good. <laughs> well, I think the reason why we all like initially vied was because we all feel that sense of community. And I, yeah. I keep coming back to the word, but like the fact that you were at school studying something completely unrelated to music and yet like probably spent a ton of time and energy trying to put together this wound up being a successful, yeah. you know, open mic. That's awesome. That's, that's, is that through the open mic where you met Christian? Uh, no, Christian, I just met, he was just in the, in, at Mason Gross, he was studying acting. So we just met through the friends. Through, and- yeah. Just friends. Yeah, and we became friends at Rutgers. And we'll get to we'll get to him yeah. and that song and everything. But just it's funny how all the threads. Everything's. Do you still write with other people that you that you from know Rutgers? Rutgers? Yeah, not so much right now currently, but there are people that I've like been on a bill with, like this band Cold Weather Company. I'm so proud of them. They're doing really well. They met at my open mic. Oh, that's, that's awesome. awesome. And they asked people what they should name their band at my open mic. That's awesome. And now they're called they're called Weather Company and they had their um, album release show at Mercury Lounge in January and they asked me to be their guest. That's and killer, like play. Yeah, so that was that was a cool full circle. Oh, yeah, thing. you I just was like, like change, you know, yeah. you just subtly change. I was just chaos, like, wow, you know? I was like, I'm kind of your mom. This is, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was pretty funny. You get to birth this thing. Yeah, I got to, I was like, I birthed Cold Weather Company. <laughs> <laughs> you can say that. That's like yeah. on your resume. The, yeah. The, if we ever have to send resumes again, which I, I know, I haven't written one in so long. Yeah, and seriously. I'm so glad. But you did, you, you were working as a teacher when I, when I met you, mm-hmm. you were working as a teacher. Yeah. That was, so you were teaching social studies, right? At the time I met you, I think so. How, how yeah. old were the, the kids? Um, the kids were sixth grade. I've taught kindergarten, fifth grade, and sixth grade. Fun years. <laughs> Fun years. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, in college, I, I was known as like a girl in music. And actually a lot of people thought I was in the art school because of how much music stuff I was involved in. But I was like, no, guys, I'm not. Um, you know, it was also coming from like a household, like immigrant household. They want you to, or like really any household, you know, they want you to follow like a path that has yeah. an actual, you know, guarantee of making a living. And even there were some interviews that can be found online somewhere from Rutgers. When I got interviewed about the open mic, they're like, oh, do you see yourself pursuing music professionally? Like, you know, you have, you're having success here. And I was like, no, I just see it as a hobby. But it was like I was lying to myself. I really was. Like I truly have always felt this like desire to truly go for it. But yeah, so I was teaching full time and then something just kind of clicked. Um, And I, you know, pictured myself as an old lady one day Hmm. looking back on my life and thinking, would I be satisfied if I didn't actually give music a real chance? And the answer was 100% no. Mm -hmm. And so... I met my manager, Mark Conklin, um, at that time, and he basically saw the potential in me and was like, if you really want to do this, you can do this and I'll manage you. And I was like, holy bleep, you know, like you can curse somebody, on the- holy shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I already cursed before I realized, holy shit. <laughs> somebody who's in the industry like believes in me and thinks I can do it, like I'm kind of like I'm good enough. And so then I started doing co-writing sessions and trying all this different stuff and um, while being a full-time teacher. So I was like in Brooklyn or wherever in New York, playing shows, putting a band together, rehearsals, like all the stuff that like an artist would do while also juggling, like being a good teacher. Cause that was also important to me. Like I, Mm -hmm. it was important to me to do a good job for those kids. And um, when we met, you were saying that they were starting like your your alter ego was starting to it was starting to come out more because I actually released the first year I hadn't released any music yet. So it was still like secret. Mm -hmm. But then also you can't keep that much from sixth graders, man. They're savvy (laughs) and they find you on Instagram. (laughs) And um, but yeah, I released music and it was getting harder and harder to to balance because things were moving on the music side. And like I was getting offered bigger, you know, shows in New York and stuff. And did I rem- they come? Did they ever come to like your students or your? They're all faculty, twenty-one y'all? plus, but faculty did, because <laughs> I started. I couldn't hide it from faculty really right. um, much anymore. You know. Didn't you say that one of the, the faculty members was like very supportive? Like it was just like, girl, you got to do this. Yeah, yeah, totally. Lee Rousseau, if she listens to this. She <laughs> she was my sixth grade language arts teacher actually, and then we ended up being co teachers. <laughs> um, and she was like somebody I could lean on and I would tell her about what was going on, the ups and the downs of music. But she was always like, I remember I played her my first recording and she looked at me, she was like, girl, you're not going to be here very long. (laughs) And I was like, thanks. I, you know, that sounds great. You know, I hope so. Yeah. So who did you, who did you work on? I still think about you with. 
That was with John Buscema, who um, is an incredible producer. And he basically produced, of that first couple years of really writing and stuff, the things that I made with him are what resonated with me the most. Did you write them by yourself or were you doing more writing sessions? More writing sessions. So think about you, I wrote mostly myself. I wrote that before coming into the session, but then I brought it to John and um, he helped make it what it is. It's just crazy. It's crazy that like I'm here at a podcast on a Monday <laughs> afternoon. Um, you were talking, talking and about I like, just drinking had, like, margaritas. A margarita. Margarita. And like last year I was in a classroom teaching and it's just nuts. Like I remember sitting in my classroom last year and again, like I, I really enjoyed teaching and I loved the connections that I made with the students, but there was this desire in me and this like longing to really be able to give music a chance. And I remember like looking at my classroom being like, Oh, I want to go on tour. I want to like really do this, but how am I going to, how do I quit this safety net? <laughs> the next day, my principal calls me in and um, he tells me that there's severe budget cuts in my district and they cut like 30 non-tenured teachers. Wow. And I was one of them. And it's really fucked up, right? And like, all these great teachers getting right. cut because they're not tenured. My mother's a teacher. Yeah. So like, yeah, that's... It's really messed up. But at the same time, for me, it was just like, oh my God. This is the sign. I yeah. don't have to make this decision. Like yeah. the job, I don't have it next and year. And you probably this got is... like a severance thing too, right? <coughs> no. Or... Oh, damn. No, you don't get a severance package as a teacher, which is also fucked up. That's you're fucked just, up. That is fucked up. You're just told that you're not getting rehired. Because wow. every uh, year you renew your contract. Right, so like right, we right. can't renew your contract. So you don't get a severance package. But what you do get is unemployment. Yeah. So I qualified for unemployment. And also at the end of the school year, I was offered another job. But I, at that point, had... You had made the decision. I like, had made the... Yeah. I, it gave me time. Like luckily there was a month between them. Because if he told me maybe the next day, I might have taken the job. Because mm-hmm. it's like, ah, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. ah, money. Yeah. <laughs> and um, But I had time to like really visualize my new life and so when that position opened up and was kind of offered to me i felt so confident in saying like thank you but i'm gonna do thank you this next. thing yeah thank you <laughs> thank you next i gotta go i gotta travel to la it's funny like and i think so many things that have like changed my life some of them i remember so clearly and then others are like these like crazy slow burns but i think we were just facebook friends and i don't yeah. remember friending you it must have been three years it must have been like before in we the ever past. i don't know i mean i know that i because you knew my manager i knew your manager not i didn't know him personally but i i knew one of the artists that he was managing he was managing marie and i would go to a bunch of marie's shows i was very inspired by her and and maybe popped up on instagram maybe yeah, for something. some crazy reason we're i was friends we were we were facebook friends and i was following you on instagram and i don't I don't know. I have zero. I, yeah, I yeah. don't really remember either. Because either, um, or maybe I added you. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? It could have been. Nobody yeah. Knows, but, but all I know is that, like, it we says. We accepted the friendship. And, and, I'll, and it says, like, since 2013 or something yeah. crazy like that. So, and it just happened that I still think about you came out mm-hmm. while I was in New York. Like, I was visiting my, right. my mom in New York for the holidays, like Thanksgiving and Hanukkah and stuff. And so I remember just sitting on, on the couch. Like going through Instagram, whatever, and I heard like a preview of I Still Think About You. But I could even be making that up. Like maybe I heard it on Discover Weekly or something. I don't know. All I know is I heard the song. I'm like, oh shit, this is actually real good. This is real good. I remember the art too is really cool because you're mm. in the forest with like that yeah, the yeah. yellow dress and yeah. everything. Yeah, I was like, this is real cool. Um, I'm going to say hey. Yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, I messaged you on Facebook. I'm like, what's up? Uh, like, do you want to like grab a bite, maybe see a show or something? Like, I'm from New York, but live yeah, in LA. Yeah, we right together. Yeah. And I was like, I think Sweet. we have mutual friends. Yeah. I don't know if we have mutual friends. Uh, it turns out we did have mutual <laughs> friends, but we didn't know that until much later. Like, yeah, it's so uh, crazy. And so I remember we went to Italy, yeah. right? And then we went <laughs> to see the Lawrence show, which yeah. I think was a, another day we went to see. I think it was the same night. So, same day we saw the same Lawrence night. show. And then, we, just, and then we had, and then we had. Which incidentally, Lawrence is now going on tour with John Bellion, right? That's nuts. That's crazy. That's a crazy. Coincidence there too, but uh, yeah, so that's crazy. Then you came by my mom's place like a couple days later, yes, and on my grandmother's piano, we uh, we wrote Window Seat, yeah, and originally that was gonna be for you, mm-hmm. and then 
Well, Noah I had to sing on it. Well, you yeah. know, so it sounded so good. The well, it was like it, it, it was that we didn't have any way of recording. <laughs> no, it. We yeah, didn't. it was we just, yeah, it was so just a voice had, memo. We had a voice memo of us singing it at the piano. We sent to Noah, and then Noah made the demo where he sang all of it. I think someone moved the furniture since I've been away. Everything's a little off, and you haven't heard from her, and I'm back to die. Of course you had to call me up. And then we then went to like New Jersey to yeah. record. I remember just like sitting apartment. on your floor, yeah. like occasionally just like trying to come up with some of the melodies on like the Casio. Yeah. That you had or it wasn't a Casio, but it was like one of those like it was dinkier. it was a light up dinky yeah. piano. It's still there. Um, it's still my keyboard. But we kept going back to like we were like, oh Noah sings that really cool. Let's try to do that. And we we're like, Let's try it again. Like Noah sings that part really cool, and like it was just you guys just have different voices. And I know you you while we were recording were thinking about it, but I didn't know you were thinking about having it be a duet. I get to the, like the subway platform of the L, and it's a twenty five minute wait for the L. Oh, and I I don't have any service down there either, so all I can listen to is the recording that's on my phone that like I bounce to myself, and then I start thinking. I'm like. And it's not even the recording we did. It was like Noah's recording. And I'm like, you're right. He does sing that really cool. And I'm like, what if the second verse <laughs> was like a duet? And I started rewriting. I'm like I carry around an index cards on me. I was like rewriting yep. it on like an index card. I remember texting you. The text asking you whether you wanted to do a duet didn't send the first three times because oh, I was on the shit. subway platform. Oh. I was so excited. I wanted to like text you. I, I went. I left the subway platform. Like I I didn't go past the turnstile. But right, I left you the climb platform. Up the stairs, so you I went up the stairs. Uh, I called. Times. I wound up calling you. I was like, yeah. "Did you be up for it being a duet?" You're like, "Oh yeah, duh. Like that's super cool." Yeah. And then the idea of this sort of back and forth. And we've talked about this before, like both on Billboard and with Isotope and stuff. Um, but the song just like came together over the course of months over various states. Like we weren't yeah. all together. You hadn't even met Noah at that I point. I didn't meet right? Noah until, until, until I came to vocals. Boston for like five hours yeah. <laughs> to like record my vocals and then got on a bus. Which we realized in, in the months leading um, that you were also friends with Miette. So yeah, like, which was also crazy. Just the connections... I'm speechless. About yeah, it's all. It's all sometimes. Well, yeah. When you came, when you came by to Boston, Miette was there. Mm-hmm. Like we wound up all sort of hanging in the studio, recording vocals for it. But then it was just one of those things that kind of fed back into itself because the song we we had changed it a couple times. I think Bozzy's record came out, and mm-hmm. because every song was like two minutes and thirty seconds, mm-hmm. we decided to cut the last chorus, which is why it ends on the yeah sort of frayed ending. And then also, right when you guys came to New York, mm-hmm. I played an acoustic show. And there was the trumpet player. And I had a trumpet player. And, and even just guys having were... to play it on guitar as we were preparing for it, we're like, this song should have guitar on it, too. Yeah. And so, like, the fact that you were playing it live influenced how the recording yeah. wound up. Yeah, which is so cool. We, we then came back and recorded the guitar and recorded a trumpet player. Who actually wound up being my roommate back in Boston, who had just moved here and was like, you know, asking around gigs. I'm like, oh yeah, like we need something. We need something today. Can we? (laughs) We need something yesterday. Um, Could you do this now? (laughs) So just yeah, it's crazy how all that like. But I love Windows I love playing Windows with you too. Me too. It's so much fun. When when we were when we were doing it, what was sort of on your mind? I know it was for me. It's what started was the lion. I think someone moved the furniture since I've been away. Everything's a little off. Because that's how I felt being home always. It's like there's always just a little thing. Like because when you spend your whole life in the same place and you come totally. back, there's always going to be something that just totally. feels a little different. Totally. Um, but what was what was going through your head when, when we wrote that? Well, one thing that I did love about it is I remember you and I started. Um, just by playing music for each other. And because I'm not the greatest guitar player, a lot of the songs I write by myself end up being like waltzes because mm-hmm. that's easy to play. Yeah. So I remember I played you a song of mine that's in a waltz and we were like, huh, 
let's write a waltz today. And I love, you know? you know, I love waltzes. And, like, and ah. it turns out Nate loves waltzes. I was like, great. <laughs> I, I, I can, you a couple I can waltzes play that. that yeah, like, yeah. yeah. And so um, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was just that line. I remember really resonated a lot with me too, because I feel like I had so many, not so many, but a lot of different homes. And even in like Greece and coming back to the United States and just there's always something a little different or, or off or like just always missing, always missing something. And yeah, I mean, the song, it felt more like I was channeling something that I've felt before, which has been like the difficulty of letting somebody go mm-hmm. um, when you're in a relationship. But mm-hmm. I remember that that day it wasn't about a specific person. It was the feeling around. It was more so like writing about that feeling because it's a feeling that I've had to deal with multiple times and not it's not just romantic relationships either. Mm-hmm. It's about just letting shit go. I think the line that gets the most under my skin from the song is I started laughing as I thought about it, but I don't think it's funny yet. Yeah, that one is crazy. Because I, I think about all the things, like we say we're over certain things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we we say, I mean, we say so much. Like mm-hmm. we say yeah. so much and we believe it too. Yeah, it's like it's like, it's like we know we are going to be over something. Yeah. So we say we're over it now. And then you like laugh not. about it, but you're like, yeah. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I'm like, still oh, in this. This is still not I, funny. I make, yeah. I make jokes about things that still very legitimately hurt me. Like, yeah. yeah, you know, me too. That, that if you flipped it, if you like changed a couple words in the joke or if somebody said it back to me, would genuinely. I might start crying. I might start crying. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, yeah. I think laughter. I love talking about laughter and music, especially like mm-hmm. I, I I wound up writing a lot of lines that like involve because mm-hmm. irony, it, yeah, because it doesn't stop it too. Because I think laughter is this way that like we deal with the fact that we deal with laughter when we're happy, but also when we're uncomfortable, and mm-hmm. also when like like irony exists, like when two things are incongruous. Like laughing is such a way that we blanket a lot of stuff that um, I don't know the visuals of just somebody laughing because laughing could be mean, mm-hmm. you know, laughing can be. But laughing could also be the sweetest thing you do with somebody. Like, yeah. You could like somebody's laugh or you could, yeah. you know, it's just, but I remember when we wrote that line, I remember both of I, I think there's even a video of us when we wrote the line going like, oh. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Um, I've definitely felt that with that line. But yeah, it's just, it's, well, and, and what's crazy is that like, that was between the three of us, four songs ago, we've, yeah. we've written yeah. four songs or five songs since then. Yeah. We did write another waltz. We did. In, uh, in moments. Yes. I don't um, know. There's something about that waltz, guys. You wrote down on the yeah. on the index card that your favorite line uh, of of a song that you've written is is from Moments. Yes. Um, what's the line? The line is, "We'll only have moments when we're done." We'll only have moments when we're done. And what does that only what does that mean for you? So to me, it really means to truly seize the day and every moment because we'll only have moments when we're done. Like when you're looking back on your life, it's all just these like little images of, of, of moments and these feelings that you had. So why not make the best of every single one you have? Mm-hmm. And appreciate them when you're in them. And appreciate them, yeah. Like I think it's really truly that, like appreciate and live in the moment because that's all you have. All you have is this moment right now. I think what's really cool, especially about you know the, when we write together, is that you have this you have a, a, almost like a relationship with your with your life. Like you have mm-hmm. you have this sort of give and take and this like view because it, it, for me that that line is is a reminder to me to not like overthink with the people I'm with. You know, mm-hmm. for me it's like I've ruined so many moments with people who have meant a lot to me by by worrying about where it's going or like totally. worrying about like, but what I like about the song that we have together, which I don't think will be out by the time this comes out, but I'll like, Stay I'll, tuned. I'll tease it. I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah. probably already teased it. Yeah. Uh, but, but the thing is, is that like, it can be interpreted in, in a number of ways. Totally. And, and it does have this feeling of like resignation that mm-hmm. like uh, an awareness of an, of an end without that awareness ruining the thing. Exactly. That like, you know. Like just because something is going to end doesn't mean it's not worth it. It's so easy to let the mm-hmm. negative voices in your head win. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's something I struggle with every day. Yeah. Um, but I've gotten better and better with that. But there are times when like it'll get the best of me. And I'm just like, wait a second. Well, that's Why the pro and letting- con of having a vision too, is that like yeah. the vision could both inspire and overwhelm you. Like some days it's like, yeah, damn right, this thing's going to happen. And then sometimes yeah. it's like, 
oh, it's never going to happen. And I have this vision that just will fade. You're like, yeah, the life of an artist, right? One day you're like, oh, this is all great. And then you're like, this is terrible. And then this is great. But I think it's what I'm trying to work on in my in myself um, is just to like, again, and what this song to me means to really appreciate every moment and like enjoy the process um, and the process in music, the process in relationships, the process in just being a human being and like being a part of a family or, or whatever that is the process of life. I remember, so I, I had to leave towards the end of that session mm-hmm. um, as Miles, the Lyra <laughs> player that we mentioned earlier came, yeah. came by. So when Noah sent the demo was like the first, like I didn't hear it being built. I just heard when it was done. Yeah. That was, I didn't realize that was the first time you had the Greek instruments. Yeah. Um, so that was so important to me. It was just like, wow, this little idea that I had mm-hmm. sounds beautiful. Yeah. And to me, it just like, I think the fact that it is a lira and not just a violin or anything, it just adds so much more depth to it. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just me, but like, I think it just, it was a big moment. Well, there's just like, a, there's like a yearning to it. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's like it, a thicker sound. Like, I don't know. It's yeah. just really, it's just really it's special as, and yeah. unique. It's not as square as like a violin. It's, I think it's it, got a lot more it, like, like it, character. It really to pulls it. Yeah. at you. It, it yeah. does feel like a fiddle, but like without, with like a little bit more of like a, like a darker yeah. edge to it. Yeah. And, like a grit like to it's, it. It's like velvet. Yeah. Also. And when it layers it's like too, velvet. it's just mm-hmm. like, I'll cut in the, I'll cut in like a little bit of it. Right. Yeah. While we're talking yeah, about it. Here's some of the demo. Yeah. <laughs> just the, the thing by itself, the lira. Yeah. yeah just the, so it, cool. here's the lira here. like about it is that just it is this blending of you know we've been writing a lot together we're going to be as honest as we can about it and we're going to incorporate the things that speak the most to us so Mm -hmm. it's like for us it's the waltz for us it's some of the weird harmony that's in there Mm -hmm. and for you it's the greek instruments and And the the waltz and the waltz and the waltz and the uh i can play a waltz guys and the and the the lyricism of of how we deal with people and with with life so it's so beautiful bringing that's what i love about collaborating it's like this thing would not exist without all of us yeah And, and, and in my heart i want that to be pop music in my heart it's like you know Billie eilish like with like you know, when the party's over. Hmm. Like if that song can be a pop song, why can't a song that's a waltz and a lyric? Like why why not? Like yeah. it's you know, it can be. And maybe we just just Watch stop out. thinking about it. You know, like the just best thing to do music. is just make good music, right? That's like, honest and makes you feel something. And mm-hmm. I think then, you know, hopefully the universe does its part. Because we'll only have we'll only have moments when we're done. We'll only have you moments know? when mm-hmm. we're done. So the song before Window Seat was uh was the song you did with Christian. With yeah, Christian Navarro. Navarro, yeah. Yeah, from from 13 Reasons Why. Do you remember when he got the show? Like, was that, did you guys? Yeah, it was, I remember him saying he got a sh- he got the show and that Selena Gomez was executive producing it. And I was like, wow, <laughs> cool. Like, but I, I didn't know, he couldn't talk too much about it. And even then when he was posting about it kind of coming up, like, I was like, oh yeah, this is cool. But I didn't realize what a huge phenomenon mm-hmm. it, would, it would be. Um, and it was really cool. Had you ever read the it. book? Did you? No, I had never read the book. Um, so my first introduction to it really was um, through him and then watching the first season. And basically, Hello Again came out of Christian and I catching up together after he had filmed season one. And it was he was getting ready to film season two. And he was telling me all this research he had to do about Tony, the character he was playing, to fully portray him well on screen and I didn't at the time I didn't realize actors had to do all this background work right to get to prepare for a role he was like talking about you know all these events so much so many events happened off screen between the scripts of season one and season two that he had to like internalize and like like study and like and live in a little bit to be able to do Tony justice in season two and I was like wow I like I just never thought about it (laughs) because I never really did acting um now that I'm in an acting class I've learned about how just the how much hard work really goes into it, and I really yeah. have gained um, such. You know, I always respected actors, but now even more so um, respecting the craft. But anyway, so he was telling me about about that, and I was like, you know, why don't we do a character study and write? Let's just like have fun and write a song about from Tony's perspective. 
He was like, cool. And I was like, yeah, I'll send you a voice memo. You can like listen to it to get ready for filming season two, you know, the different episodes. And so we ended up writing this song and I made a voice memo of it and I sent it to him and he he loved it. Um, and he showed a few people and they loved it. And we basically decided to do a full production of it when I played it for John Buscema, who uh, produced Still Think About You. He loved it. And then we were like, let's just make this a real song and not just leave it in voice memo form. Yeah. And so we did it. And then Christian also got to sing on it, too. And it's been really cool. Well, it's a, it's a beautiful song. And I think relating to 13 Reasons Why, it's interesting, but also like relating to just life in general. I mean, because yeah. we do form these relationships with, with people and sometimes we're all no stranger to loss. And so exactly. And that's what I also realized with the song is like, you know, written from this character's perspective, but it really discusses and grapples with the topic of dealing with loss, which is so universal. So we were like, let's put this in the world. People need to, people need it, you know? Yeah. It's cathartic. Yeah. Well, instead of loss, let's talk, let's talk gain. Uh, let's talk about the great Stoller. How did y'all, oh, yes. how'd y'all meet? So um, we met at his show back in September. Um, my drummer, or somebody who has played drums for me a few times, Seth Folk, uh, invited me to come be the choir, to come be in a like almost like a flash mob choir at his show to sing Whoa. this song. Yeah, so I met him that night and we then started writing together. And over time, um, I then introduced him to you guys when I was out here in LA and he and I in discussing and we had written some songs prior and then I also showed him the song with Alira on it. We kind of came up with the idea together to like really go in and experiment with incorporating Greek instruments. And in that he's now become a huge like songwriting partner and is developing the project, which is really cool because he's doing a lot of cool things and to be a part of the cool things that he's doing is an honor. Yeah, I think I think what's so great about working with Stoller on, on the brand is that is not just a phenomenal writer. He's like a really great person mm -hmm. and he cares about community and he cares about art in ways that I don't think I've ever seen yeah you know I mean and and he and he challenges you to be the best version of yourself so totally. like I love it when we do sessions together like I'll write a line and it'll be good and he's like it's good what else do you like like yeah let's, but can you beat it, it was can you like, beat let's it let's put this on the side but I think we can yeah. beat it. And and so, yeah it's a hard thing to pull off to be you know to, to, to curate that energy in a room to be like oh can we do better than this without it feeling like it's unproductive or, yeah. like, or not good. I think, yeah. I think an artist's first thought whenever there is any kind of criticism is like, oh, I'm not good enough. Like yeah. in, in a weird way when he, um, no, not even in a weird way, in a brilliant way, whenever he says, can you beat it? Or can you, it's, can you. It's in a way of lifting you up. It's in a way that he's like, you, you can do this. Like he's asking you because not like, oh, is that this isn't good enough. He's asking you because he knows you can do better. Yeah. And it almost is like, oh shit, he's probably right. Like let me, and I'll just go back and I, you know, I'll rewrite. I think he called you me like. And come up a, with something yeah, even better. Yeah. And that's, that's like what, what, what is so inspiring about working with him. And it's so cool. Like. Because we've seen every fifth frame, because you guys are off in New York, but you come mm -hmm. here very often. So we've seen every every fifth frame of like the the project developing. Yeah. But I think, you know, I know that it's going to be a great project because you don't settle for anything less than, than in, incredible work. And, and he will always push everyone who's around to, uh, yeah. to, to bring the best that they can. Yeah. Know? I'm very, very fortunate to have him on the team. And I couldn't be more excited about the music. And you, and you do a lot of traveling mm -hmm. too now i mean um yeah now that i'm not a teacher now that you're not a teacher you're you, i remember when you all like right when you told us that you were quitting yeah uh or not when you that you were i was not going back you're not yeah. going back though in a sense it's like it's not like quitting in the strong way but it's like i could get another job but yes. i'm not you yeah. know it's like i don't think i ever like quit film but i decided to not do it any, exactly anymore but when we all had that italian dinner we all yeah. we all uh went to an italian restaurant at in Greenwich Village, and we uh, we wrote down like our goals for the for the year on like uh, on a napkin. napkin. I have the napkin in, uh, <laughs> on my desk. I don't desk, know where mine is. Um, <laughs> but uh, I remember some of the things. But one of them was you know, I remember traveling more, mm -hmm. and so now you're traveling. Oh I mean, yeah. Where have you been this year alone, or like in the last? So in the year last alone? like I go by school years, guys. Last, yeah, yeah, in the last, in school, the last year. school year, um, yeah, I've been to Africa. I went to Kenya, which was really, really cool. Well, I went to Korea, 
but that was last school year, which is kind of funny. I actually, so I've always been, anytime I could find a way to squeeze in a travel, uh, a trip, I would do it. And um, this kind of segues well, I guess, into the latest single that I released. During my spring break and my last year of teaching, I went to South Korea. I went to Seoul to meet up my friends, Moon Culture Films, who did the Still Think About You music video right. that you saw. Um, and they were working out there with some K-pop artists. And as soon as they heard the demo of Always On Mine, because they're in the family of people I send demos to. Right. And I always just like send the song with nothing. So it's mm -hmm. just like they're, they're good people I can count on for an honest reaction. Um, but they absolutely loved the song. And they were like, you're not letting anybody else do this music video <laughs> but us. They got so dibs. Like, yeah. So I was like, all right, sick. I love you. I love you guys. So that's that works out. And um, they were like, oh, but we're actually going to be in Korea for a while. They're like, you can come to Korea. Ha -ha. <laughs> and I was like, right. I could come to Korea ha -ha, in like three weeks because <laughs> it's spring break. Like I will legitimately come. They're like, oh, my God, come to Korea. We'll do the music video in Korea. So that's basically what happened. I flew to South Korea and we filmed the music video for uh, Always On Mine. Which is an incredible music. I mean, it's just starting with that drone shot. Mm -hmm. like, come yeah. In. It's it's and the lights, too. It's just. Yeah, they didn't incredible work and what's kind of interesting about that video kind of like the way we made window seat is it was made over the course of a year um because we got all the shots in korea and what i also love about the music video is it's not like i feel like it's not playing a gimmick on the fact that it was filmed in korea like oh look at us in asia or something right. like that like it's really just it kind of creates this dreamscape in this dream world um, because you blend the natural, which could be anywhere in the world, with exactly the the urban. But yeah, like, it but is more this, about like, the color and way, the light, like the and color, the... and more so the feel about it. And I also felt good about showing the countryside of Korea too, because I feel like people don't really realize, at least I didn't really know before going there, how beautiful mm -hmm. the countryside is um, in Korea. And we got to do these amazing drone shots there, where I laid in this field. And I remember my mom after watching the video, she was like. They put you in the field after, right? I was like, no, mom, that was, was me in laying field. in the field. <laughs> there was a drone shot that came down low. Um, but yeah, so over the course uh, of a year, then we added the animation that's all um, kind of embedded throughout it. And because I also wasn't sure when I was going to release the song, Anthony from uh, Moon Culture Films had more time to just incorporate new techniques that he was learning right. too. So Always On Mine is a the music video is such a big collaboration between the two of us where I just wanted to make something, I just wanted to make something that felt like a dream. Like it didn't mm -hmm. matter to me to make like storyboard sense. Um, it wasn't that kind of video for me this time. Um, it was a vibe over and It was more, yeah. yeah, I wanted it to be a vibe because I feel like always on mine, the song itself is a vibe mm -hmm. also. It's just, Definitely. you're just kind of like in this, it feels like a dream to me. Because it's like, you know, do I ever cross your mind because you're always on mine? And it just kind of feels like this thing our brain does that we're constantly dreaming or like thinking about someone or something. So, yeah. Well, it's a it's an incredible video and, and anybody who is listening should should watch it. Um, Thanks. Uh, and, and I think it's cool that you you have the same collaborators. And I think mm -hmm. what I was saying before, like about the community that you ha that you have brought. Oh, yeah. in. Wait, I met them at Rutgers. By oh, the way, oh. when you asked me about collab, I was thinking about people <laughs> I still write music with. I met them at Rutgers. And also, hello again. Um, I forgot to mention, I co-wrote that. So I started it with Christian. And we wrote the first verse into the chorus. And then I had a session with Adam Bradford, who I went to Rutgers with. And he played guitar for me and uh, at the time. And we also did songwriting sessions. And he f helped me finish the second verse. That's so, awesome. It's been really cool still staying connected to the people I met in college um, and helping each other. Well, and up. like we're, we're spoiled with like the Berkeley stuff. Mm -hmm. I think that anybody who goes to school anywhere, like those are the people that you, you're coming up with. Like yeah. everybody who, who went to school or even people who dropped out of school, whatever, like they're all trying, everybody's trying to make something of their life. So the more that you, you know, stay in touch with that like, and you grow together, like that's so, and you recognize that I think, totally. you know, better than, than, than anybody, but are you uh, are you ready for random questions from the internet? I am. <laughs> Let's do Let's it. Do it. Have you ever smoked a cigarette? Yes. What's your favorite meal? Greek food, all of it, minus and the lamb. Specific? Uh, pastizio. Uh, it's ground meat and pasta, and it's all mixed together with a bechamel cream on top, and you mm. bake it in the oven. Oh, I'm so hungry Sounds now. Sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. What's your favorite piece of jewelry? 
Wow. Guys, I love jewelry. Um, but <laughs> I have these. Okay. My favorite piece is this pair of earrings that I bought on the street in Thessaloniki, Greece. Um, and they were handmade by this very beautiful hippie man. And they're the coolest earrings I own. That's awesome. Favorite non-musical hobby? Soccer. That was my first love. Middle name? Alexia. <laughs> Say your full name like in the... In Greek? Yeah. Evangelia Alexia Psaragi. Damn. <laughs> uh, name three thoughts you're having at this very moment. I think it's hilarious that there is, are two swords hanging up in the doorway. Um, <laughs> True. With guitar holder thingies. True. Um, and I'm also just kind of like pumped to be here. And I'm thinking about how full circle this is. <laughs> Those are good, good, good thoughts. <laughs> um, yeah, we have a uh, guitar holder. For, for, to describe the studio, guitar we have guitar holders holding up a keyblade from Kingdom Hearts and a, and a Nerf sword. It's and amazing. that's how that's how we argue over lyrics. It's amazing. We settle, we settled disputes. Yes. Uh, the old fashioned way. <laughs> Do you have any reoccurring dreams? No, but I've had... The dreams that I remember are usually like the scary ones, but I've had I have had dreams where I'm like running away from something. Oh, actually, I have had recurring dreams. Tsunamis. Ooh. I'm afraid of tsunamis. Oh, yeah, same. Just terrifying. So scary. So scary. Like the fact that the whole ocean can go back, and like then people think it's like oh cool, and then this giant wave comes and everybody dies. Terrifying. So I've scary. had recurring dreams of tsunamis and trying to run away from one and not being able to run. I wasn't scared of tsunamis up no, until just this. Think very about moment. a tsunami for yeah. about twenty seconds <laughs> right. and, and tell me you're not All afraid. Right. I've had so I've had like at least five. Tsunami I've never dreams. had a tsunami dream. I feel like tonight is gonna be. Wait, a... that's so crazy. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Can you whistle? No. Whoa. I can't do it. Can you snap? Nice. That was me. But you can't whistle. I can't whistle. Can you can you try? Yep, that's where I'm at too. Yeah. I also can't whistle. Wait, you can't whistle? Literally, I've tried. Whoa. I've tried so hard. I've tried I didn't know that about you, no. I, I cannot very whistle. Much. Well, I did. I had no idea. Yeah. You learn something new every day. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. I can't do it, but I can juggle. That's cooler. I can't juggle. Yeah, I can juggle all of my responsibilities, mm, but I nice. can't. Yeah. Uh, I tried to. <laughs> favorite color? Sunset. Nice. I like that. This is my favorite question of all of them. Would you be a pirate? A pirate? A pirate. No. Mm, interesting. Do why? Why? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, why? 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 Follow up. Um, I just think like living on a ship for that long would get pretty boring. Definitely also my feeling. Um, That's why you pirate. make games like dice. Pretty dirty. You, I will, like, you will get scurvy. I like being someone you, you not love if you, or someone you love will get scurvy. I like being clean. I like having like fresh food. <laughs> I want to have like a garden. You just can't have that on a pirate ship. You are bougie. You, listen, a garden of my own, I grew up on a farm. You can, so have, you can get a planter in your uh, a planter on my pirate, on your pirate ship. ship. I also don't want to steal shit from people. You steal from the rich. But like maybe the rich worked hard to get what they wanted, but they should sh they should share. Wait, so I had to choose to be a pirate like back in time. Yeah, you'd be pirate back in time. You, right. We're talking maybe, like Caribbean. See, you didn't clarify. So I wouldn't want to be a pirate, be a pirate right now. now. I feel like being a pirate now would be really hard. It would be, be really, really hard. hard. You have that's to get a big I'm boat. You have yeah. to worry about guns. Like that's nah, what I'm we're saying. talking classic pirate. Okay, that's different. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. For a week. For a week. I would yeah, try it that's for a the, week. That's the thing. It's not a sustainable lifestyle. It's not sustainable. I, dis I disagree. But yeah, I'm glad we, we figured that out now. Yeah, we don't agree though. <laughs> that's okay. Agree that's to disagree. That's the beautiful thing about this country. We can agree to disagree. Yeah. <laughs> What's the worst injury you've ever had? I tore my ACL playing mm, soccer in high school. And that's what kind of ended my soccer career. Like I still play, but I, you know, I stopped taking it as seriously as I was taking it then. But then I found music. What's your favorite book? Okay, so I love the book Out of My Mind. And it's for elementary school kids and <laughs> um, middle school. But I think any adult can also really, really enjoy it. It's a story about this girl who can't speak. She's physically unable to. Um, and she's in a wheelchair. And people assume that she's, like, incapable of, like, understanding and, and high-functioning and having high-functioning intelligence. But inside, she's actually 
so smart. She's like one of the smartest humans. And she's at this school and the and the book is written from her perspective and you kind of travel back in time, but you the book's written because she has she finally got this machine that gives her her words that she can like kind of type in with her <laughs> with her fingers. Oh. And she tells you her story and she ends up being actually i guess i shouldn't tell you but it's yeah, just spoilers yeah, yeah i'm yeah. not gonna spoil it but it was just really an incredible book that's a reminder to treat everybody with respect and not make assumptions or judge anything hmm. by the outward appearance that's nice what is your favorite movie well, I watched Pearl Harbor so many times. <laughs> I I do like Pearl Harbor a lot. A I love one. historical fiction. So I like a good World War II movie, mm. honestly. Yeah. Favorite TV show? I don't really watch a lot of TV. Oh, actually, that's a lie. I Well, no, that's very true. I don't watch a lot of like TV shows. But when I was teaching and I was, especially my first year when I was living at home, I always made sure to be back from the studio in time to watch The Daily Show oh, and yeah. Stephen Colbert. I love late night TV, mm. love Stephen Colbert so much, and I love The Daily Show, and my dream is to be on one of those shows. Hmm. Like with Trevor Noah now? Or Trevor, with- love Trevor Noah. Um, I know I used to always want to be on Colbert on The Daily Show and like I you know I'm feeling like I'm running out of time but. yeah but you know you'd be on the Colbert late now like I just want to perform if I get to perform oh, that's literally a big goal of mine I remember I wrote that in, mm-hmm. on my yeah, napkin, was, yeah, napkin is to perform on a late night TV show I think I the closest the closest we got was when Transviolet played yeah. Colbert yeah that's and, cool and they were, he was holding the record that we have a song it's like hey we worked on, on that record like, we like, that's and Stephen so Colbert's holding it <laughs> cool. it was a weird milestone it was like that's... yeah it was, it, it was not our accomplishment but it yeah. was just like like totally your accomplishment though it was like a small it was we an have, adjacent accomplishment a, that yes. we like were yes. we have a seventh of, of yeah. Yeah. yeah you know totally would you ever go skydiving oh my god Maybe I really That's a like non-committal answer. That it is yeah. a non-committal answer because I'm not committed to doing it. But <laughs> I think it would be. I don't know. I have been like thinking about it. My brother's done it twice. He loves it. I don't know. I think it's really scary, and I like my life. What's your what's your like, <laughs> what's like your non-musical bucket list item? Like, what is something you've always wanted to do, or like will do at some point that has nothing to do with like your career or hmm. like like more of like an action. That's such an interesting question because so much of my life has now been intertwined mm-hmm. with no, I mean, mine, music. Mine you know, too, so it's yeah. it's kind of I really want to I mean, I guess it's just traveling. Like I wanna go to as many countries as I can and like really oh, wow. like eat the good food and culture. Hey, well you're you're on your way. I'm on my way. So I wanna, you know, I wanna go over, I don't think I don't think I really care to go to Antarctica, but like I think it would be cool to my grandparents like went swimming there. Like they, yeah. that's nuts. Yeah. My grandparents travel. Hell nah. They're in their eighties and they've they've climbed Everest. They've gone skydiving. Like my grandfather for his seventy fifth went yeah. skydiving. That's crazy. Um, and they uh, they spent like a like fifteen days crossing wow. the Atlantic on an ocean, like on a that's so barge, like cool. a cargo ship. They just do crazy shit. Yeah. So that's what I. Yeah, I think just like traveling and seeing as much of the world as I possibly can. Is there somewhere specific that like, like maybe your next destination or? I really want to go to South America. Mm. Wow, that's yeah, awesome. I want to go to Chile. So you live in New York mm-hmm. now and have your. What, what would you say? Every is, other month. Now. Yeah, right. Have you, uh, every other every other month. Have a. Uh, what would you say is like most inspiring about? Because you're. I mean, you're there now with with Miet. You're there with mm-hmm. Mackenzie mm-hmm. with Mothica. Um, with Stolar, you're mm-hmm. ready with Lars. Like, what would you? I know there's a community there, but what yeah. inspires you the most about living in New York? And and what is it about the community specifically that you you feel yeah. so strongly about? Well, I love New York. Just being around that energy and that hustle and bustle is just creates a sense of urgency and a sense of motivation. I mean, I've seen that here because I think it's because I'm friends with mostly East Coasters here. Mm. But I've heard, yeah. <laughs> I've heard that here things are just much more lax, yeah, um, and yeah. not as urgent. It's more LAX. You yeah, know? more. I know. I was thinking. I was. I realized that as I said that too. But yeah, that like sense of motivation and like just being in the you know the concrete jungle, like you know, like Alicia Keys says, if you can make you it know? here. You can make it anywhere. If you can make it mm. here. You can make it anywhere. And there, and that 
is truly really, really inspiring to me and also part of the reason why I do want to stay there and come up as a New York artist. I just think there's this history attached to it that it would be an is just an honor to be attached to. Um, and as far as the community goes there, it's been really cool getting to know the artists and the writers um, in New York because there are less of us. Um, and we do kind of stick together and also BMI has played a big role in creating a community there. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I have a home uh, in New York as an artist, which has been really wonderful. I think what I love about New York is that it, it still very much feels like home for me. Yeah. But it feels like a home that I, I had to leave. So whenever I come back, it's like so, so nice. And I love all the people who are there, though a lot of them are coming out here or come out here I know so everybody's often. Leaving. Like, <laughs> everybody's leaving New York. But uh, I always say that like New York's like the negligent relationship I had to get out of. Yeah, you know, like yeah, New York yeah. didn't care about me when I was there. Yeah. And I wanted to like ask me to come back, you know, or yeah. I want to like come back because I've grown as a person and, yeah. and we reconcile. You our, also can be there. Stuff. You don't even need to be here. Anymore, or I can, you know, you I can, know? you know, like, yeah. I can visit whenever, you know, yeah. and family's there and friends who have become yeah, my family are there, there too. you know, but it is a great community and, I, and we always love, it's crazy that we've, we've now ridden in like three States together. Just yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's accidentally. Crazy. That's crazy. You know? But, uh, is there a is there anything anything else you want to shout out before before we call it a call it a podcast? Thank you for listening, for mm. supporting independent artists. It means a lot. Every literally every little interaction um, helps us, and we're super grateful for it. And I just hope that my music will resonate in your heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. We'd like to thank Jägermeister and Isotope for their early support of Talking Lion.